This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Say goodbye to performance robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance-robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Breaking news. More than 50 million Americans are on the path of dangerous storms from the bomb cyclone in the West to flash flooding here in the Northeast. The powerful West Coast storm heads to Southern California after uprooting trees, nearly blowing trucks off a bridge and setting off a landslide that closed a major highway. Also tonight, we're tracking another storm in the Northeast, where it's heading. The director speaks. New details on the accident that took the life of Helena Hutchins. Did anyone check the gun? Breaking news, shots fired in a mall in Idaho. Multiple injuries reported. We'll have the latest. Stronger strain, a more contagious version of coronavirus is detected in the U.S. Plus, new vaccine data provides hope for children. Facebook under fire. Leaked documents say fueling hate and conspiracy theories needs big money for Facebook. A former insider tells us Facebook could stop it, but won't. The top priorities grow. Tonight, Mark Zuckerberg responds. Countdown to Election Day. The fight over schools and COVID mandates takes center stage. Independent voters in a key state tell us why they may be voting Republican this time around. And all in a day's work, Tom Brady, touchdown record, check. Making a kid's dream come true, double check. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. We want to begin with severe storms impacting millions of Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, the San Francisco Bay Area is recovering from what's being called the strongest storm to hit the region in more than 25 years. Record rain, howling winds, and mudslides caused widespread damage from Southern California to the Pacific Northwest, knocking out power to more than 150,000 homes and businesses and shutting down major highways. At least two people were killed by a falling tree near Seattle. Now, in the Midwest, a powerful tornado damaged buildings and knocked out power along the border between Illinois and Missouri. And tonight, millions in the east are bracing for a nor'easter that's expected to unleash four to eight inches of rain and gusts up to 60 miles per hour. We're going to get the forecast in just a moment, but CBS's David Begnaud is going to lead us off in El Dorado Hills, California, near Sacramento. Good evening, David. Good evening, Nora. This is rainwater from that record-breaking storm running off into a reservoir just outside of Sacramento. And this reservoir provides drinking water to people. Look, if you live in California in what seems like a never-ending drought, you sure love to see and hear this. That storm yesterday was so powerful, they called it a bomb cyclone. What blew through Northern California and much of the West this weekend is being described as epic, even historic. And here's what it left behind. A major rock slide covering a highway in Northern California. It could take days before that's clear. Meanwhile, listen to these gale force winds ripping through the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. They even lifted up this semi-truck on one Bay Area bridge and literally moved it over. There were numerous trees uprooted. Tens of thousands of people were left without power and more than a foot of water in some places. All of that from an atmospheric river, as it's known, stretching all the way from the Hawaiian Islands, the darker spot showing the heaviest rainfall, with Northern California right in the bullseye. More than five inches of rain fell in the capital of Sacramento on Sunday, making it the wettest day on record. And more than four inches of rain fell in San Francisco. That made it the fourth highest one-day total ever recorded. And they've been tracking weather since the gold rush days. Still, there is at least one upside. California had a devastating fire season. The Dixie Fire, north of Sacramento, the second largest fire in state history, had been burning since mid-July, scorching nearly one million acres and destroying more than 1,300 structures. Last night, finally, it was declared contained. Now here's the reality check. That record-breaking storm was just a drop in the bucket in terms of ending California's record-breaking drought. We came here to Folsom Lake, just outside of Sacramento, to show you what we're talking about. Look at the boat marina. It's so dry you can practically walk through it. As we fly toward the reservoir now, it's less than half full. This place provides drinking water to people, water to farmers, for crops. We asked and we were told that it would take water from seven more record-breaking storms, just like the one we had yesterday. Seven more in order to get a place like Folsom Lake even close to normal. More. That really puts it into perspective. CBS's David Begno, thank you. And let's get the forecast now from CBS's Lonnie Quinn. Good evening, Lonnie. Well, good evening, Nora. Look, the pictures that David just showed us uh, is something else. That storm finishes up with Southern California tonight. Then it's going to be moving over the Rocky Mountains during the overnight hours. And for tomorrow, it's bringing severe weather to the Plains and the Gulf Coast. We're talking strong straight-line winds associated with it, maybe 60 miles per hour. But they're not all just straight-line winds. There's a bit of rotation detected as well. So there's the possibility for tornadoes anywhere from the Gulf of Mexico all the way up into the Plains. Could be an eventful Tuesday for that portion of the country, Nora. Well, Lonnie, on that note, I want to ask you about those more than dozen tornadoes that were reported last 
last night in the Midwest, including, look at this, EF3 storm that sliced through Fredericktown, Missouri last night. I understand that's the weather that's headed here to the northeast. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's going to be a problem for the Northeast because what's going to happen is as that moves into the Northeast tomorrow, it's going to be combining with a coastal storm. It becomes the first nor'easter of the season. So the effects of it will be like six inches of rain, maybe more in some spots anywhere from Philadelphia to Boston. And your winds, they're gusting in spots over 60 miles per hour. So, again, the first nor'easter. It is that time of the year, Nora. Umbrella and raincoat tomorrow. Lonnie Quinn, thank you. And we want to get to some breaking news now coming in from Boise, Idaho. Shots fired at a shopping mall with multiple injuries and at least two dead. CBS's Carter Evans has the latest. The sound of possible gunfire can be heard in this video posted online at what appears to be the Boise Town Square Mall, causing shoppers to evacuate or shelter in place. Outside, a large police presence, including multiple ambulances. Looks like more first responders here. Boise police say six people, including an officer, were injured. This is where most of the folks seem to be concentrated. The incident reportedly happened in an area surrounding the Macy's. The entire mall was placed on lockdown as police cleared the building store by store. You can see someone being taken out right there, loaded onto a stretcher. As first responders load a possible victim into an ambulance, another man is treated for minor injuries. Police say one person is in custody. Now, this all happened in the early afternoon hours, and the investigation is just getting underway. Again, two dead. Police have not released any information on the shooter. Nora. Carter Evans, thank you. And now to New Mexico, where tonight the investigation into that deadly accident on Alec Baldwin's movie set is focusing on crew members responsible for the prop gun that killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins. CBS's Omar Villafranca reports from Santa Fe. We're learning new details about what happened on the Santa Fe movie set moments before the deadly accident. According to an affidavit, director Joel Souza told investigators that they were rehearsing a scene that entailed actor Alec Baldwin cross-drawing his weapon and pointing the revolver towards the camera lens. The director said while Baldwin was rehearsing with the gun, he heard what sounded like a whip and then loud pop. Souza says he remembers the phrase cold gun being used on set, meaning the gun was safe. Souza also says guns on the film set were supposed to be checked by the film's armorer and then checked again by Dave Halls, the assistant director who handed the gun to Baldwin. Halls was mentioned by at least one 911 caller. It's a f***ing ID. He's supposed to check the gun. He's responsible. CBS News is learning tonight. Halls was fired from a previous movie after a gun incident on that set injured a crew member. This isn't the first time a fatal shooting happened on a movie set. Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee, was killed in a similar accident almost 30 years ago on the set of the movie The Crow. Shannon Lee is his sister. There's no need to have real weapons involved. Um, let's, Let's use movie magic. While deputies search for answers on how this happened, the film community held a vigil last night in L.A. to remember Helena Hutchins, while longtime friends like Dennis Zanata grieve for her family i'm just sad that you know that her son now is going to grow up without a mother or without a beautiful mother that she was production of the movie has officially stopped and no one has been charged but we are expected to learn more about this case when the sheriff and the district attorney have a press conference on wednesday nora omar via franca thank you 
And we want to turn now to the COVID pandemic. Tomorrow, an FDA advisory committee is meeting on whether to greenlight Pfizer's lower dose vaccine for kids 5 to 11 years old. There's also some news tonight about another possible vaccine for young children. And here's CBS's Meg Oliver. Feels good. Tonight, as anticipation builds for younger children to get COVID shots, Moderna says its vaccine is safe and triggers a strong immune response in children ages 6 to 11. Moderna said it used half the adult dose in its trial. Some participants in the Moderna trial reported mild to moderate side effects, but the company did not address the possible rare side effect of myocarditis, an inflammation of the heart muscle found in a small number of teenagers and young men who received the other mRNA vaccine. Pfizer. Fifth grader Jerry Monroe was in the Pfizer clinical trial for 5 to 11-year-olds. That will make it a lot safer for me to go outside and play all the sports that I play and have fun with my friends and family. The FDA's advisory committee is scheduled to review the results of that trial tomorrow. Did you feel like you were taking a risk by having him take part in this trial? I actually thought it was more of a risk for him not to be able to get vaccinated at the first opportunity that he had. This comes as the so-called Delta Plus variant begins to spread, accounting for about 6% of all cases in England. It's been detected in four U.S. states and the District of Columbia, and the CDC says it's watching it closely. It has a several mutations on the spike protein that we have not yet seen um, implicated in increased transmissibility or in, in decreased ability of our vaccines or our therapeutics to work. If the CDC grants emergency use authorization for Pfizer's vaccine for kids 5 to 11, the earliest some children's hospitals like this one would start administering the two-dose shot is by the end of next week. Nora? Meg Oliver, thanks so much. And tonight, updated numbers from the FBI show an increase in hate crimes in the U.S., with more than 8,000 reported last year. That's actually up 13 percent from 2019. And have a look at this. Hate crimes against African-Americans rose by nearly 46 percent in 2020, and attacks targeting Asian-Americans soared by 73 percent, as some wrongly blamed them for the pandemic. Well, tonight, Facebook reports it made $9 billion in profits from July through September. And CEO Mark Zuckerberg is answering critics who claim the company puts profits over people. CBS News, along with other news outlets, reviewed thousands of pages of internal documents suggesting Facebook knew its platforms can fuel hate, but at times did little to stop it. We get more now from CBS 60 Minutes Plus correspondent Lori Siegel. Tonight, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is addressing the firestorm around his company. What we are seeing is a coordinated effort to selectively use leaked documents to paint a false picture of our company. That response came after leaked internal studies found Facebook posts incited violence while the platform enabled human trafficking and struggled to police hate speech. The same message Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen had for lawmakers in the UK today. So we are literally subsidizing hate on these platforms. Former executive Brian Bolin left Facebook last year after more than a decade. I'm concerned that Facebook causes divisions in a lot of areas, political being one of them, and a powerful one that we feel viscerally, but also in race and ethnicity, religion. The documents also reveal how Facebook rolled back safety measures after the 2020 election, allowing misinformation to spread ahead of January 6th. An internal analysis stating, our enforcement was piecemeal. 
Those types of safety things are not the top priority. The top priority is growth. A claim Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg has denied, writing this idea that we prioritize profit over safety and well-being. That's just not true. But Boland says Zuckerberg has too much power. I think if he stepped down as CEO and somebody with a focus on shepherding this amazing thing that's been built and keeping people safe, you'd see changes. For now, the change? A rebranding campaign that Zuckerberg is expected to announce on Thursday. Lori Siegel, CBS News, New York. All right, tonight Democrats say they're making progress toward reaching a deal on President Biden's Build Back Better plan. As the president worked to sell the plan in New Jersey today, holdout Senator Joe Manchin said he could reach a deal with the White House this week to get there. Democrats are reworking some parts of the plan that includes possibly dropping Medicare coverage for dental work, but replacing it with an $800 voucher. All right. In what could be a referendum on the president's agenda and popularity, Virginians head to the polls next week to elect a new governor. President Biden won that state by 10 points. But Democrat Terry McAuliffe and Republican challenger Glenn Youngkin are locked in a tight race. And independence could be a key factor. So we went to the state to find out what's driving people to the polls. Kendra Lee is a prime example of why this race is so close. I cried when Hillary Clinton lost. If someone told me that I would ever be not considering voting for a Democrat, I would have thought like you were crazy. And yet the mother of two voted for Republican Glenn Youngkin. After a year of virtual learning and now mask mandates in schools, she trusts him more with her kids' education. What is it about what Yunkin is saying he'll do that appeals to you? I don't think he would have as much governmental restrictions. I think that he would leave it more in terms of local control. Yunkin, a multimillionaire businessman, has wooed voters likely by making schools a central focus of the race holding Parents Matter rallies where he hammers McAuliffe over something he said at a debate. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. This movement is being led by parents who are saying, no, I am the one who gets to decide what's best for my children. Youngkin has tapped into concern over race and gender issues in schools, and he's opposed to mask and vaccine mandates. So what is it about what's happening in schools and those mandates that you don't like? I feel like I know what's best for my family better than a politician does. Independent Robert Clark also voted for President Biden, but calls this decision a toss-up. So you support President Biden, but you may vote for a Republican. I may. If a Republican wins the governor's race, what message will that send? That there is some tepidness around the president's agenda. Um, There are a lot of concerns about some of the choices he's made. And there's concern among some Democrats that a loss here would be a preview of what's to come in next year's midterms. McAuliffe is trying to make this a referendum on the former president. He is a Trump acolyte. He says Yunkin has a far-right agenda, citing caught-on-tape comments about abortion. When I'm governor, we can start going on offense. But as a campaign topic, sadly, that in fact won't win my independent votes. We cannot go back. He is against gay marriage. He is against a woman's right to choose. The choice of swing voters like Robert will ultimately decide who wins. I mean, I would like to imagine that my vote is the the deciding one, but it won't be. I'm just going to go out and vote for who I believe in. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. 
Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Tonight, Microsoft warns the same Russia-backed hackers who hit the U.S. with ransomware attacks last year are still at it. Microsoft says the group is still attacking the global technology supply chain and targeting hundreds of cloud service companies. Microsoft says only a small number of the latest attempts have been successful. All right, in Texas, a day of drag racing ended in tragedy when a driver lost control and crashed into a crowd of spectators. Two boys, just six and eight years old, were killed in the wreck on Saturday near San Antonio. Eight other people were injured. Thousands of people attended the event, which had drivers speeding down an airport runway. Okay, the big news on Wall Street. Tesla topped $1 trillion in market value today. Its stock jumped nearly 13% after the rental car company Hertz said it is buying a record one hundred thousand electric cars by the end of next year. The deal comes more than a year after Hertz filed for bankruptcy at the height of the COVID pandemic. Tom Brady did it again, proving why many consider him the GOAT or greatest of all time. On Sunday, he became the first NFL quarterback to reach 600 touchdown passes in his career. But he also noticed a young fan holding a sign that read, Tom Brady helped me beat brain cancer. So Brady reached up and handed nine-year-old Noah Reeb a team cap. It meant everything to Noah, and it was special for Brady, too. Yeah, obviously, tough kid, man, and uh, puts a lot in perspective of what we're doing on the field. Um, in the end, it doesn't mean much compared to what so many people go through. So, you know, we all try to make a difference in different ways. Well said, Tom. Noah's dad called it a dream come true. Tomorrow, the crucial FDA meeting that could decide whether children as young as five will become eligible for a COVID vaccine. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set that DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. 
So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.